Hello, you're listening to Sending the Experts with Georgina Durant. This podcast is all about teaching and supporting children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND. My name is Georgina Durant. I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by Twinkle SEND. As a former teacher in Senko myself, I wanted to create a platform to share some of the amazing things that my guests are doing to support learners with SEND. So whether you're listening on your commute, tuning in whilst walking your dog or curled up on the sofa with a nice cup of coffee, thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Samantha Baines. Samantha is a multi-award winning author, actress and broadcaster. She hosts the smash hit podcast, The Divorce Social. And as a hearing aid wearer herself, she is author of critically acclaimed children's books with deaf main characters. You may recognise her from her appearances on ITV's Loose Women, Sky News, Andrew Neal's This Week, or acting roles in Netflix, The Crown, Call the Midwife, Silent Witness and Magic Mike Live, directed by Channing Tatum. She is a regular on BBC radio stations as well. Hi, Samantha. How are you? Hello. Thank you for my lovely intro. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm very, very excited to have you on here. (laughs) Now, the podcast is all about SEND, Special Education Needs and Disabilities, but my lovely loyal listeners have been listening for over a year now, so I think they're loyal enough to let me go off piece for a little bit, just because um, The Crown and Call the Midwife are two of my favourite TV programs, so I need to ask you about this first and get all of my, like, crown stuff out of the way. Um, So what were your parts? I actually know in... um, I think I'm right. In Call the Midwife, were you the one who had the cough? Is that right? There was a character. That's the crown. In the crown, sorry. In the crown, were you the one with the cough? Yes. Yes. In the in series one, I played Mary, a Cockney lady. I think I was the only Cockney person in the whole of series one, um, <laughs> like non-royal. And um, yeah, it was the smog episode when the smog descends yes. on London and there's low visibility. And yeah, so I was... Um, Venetia Churchill's secretary's housemate and I got very ill in the smog and she was worried about me and had to take me to hospital and yeah because weren't you like lying down saying you were fine and it was clear I remember watching thinking she's clearly not okay that woman really needs to be going to see somebody (laughs) yeah it it starts with I'm like yeah I'm on a night out I'm off see you later all sassy And then um, and then I get progressively more ill during the episode and look horrific by the end on a hospital <laughs> gurney. And there's all those people with beautiful costumes and you're <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the crowd and you're getting to play the one with the cough. Yeah, grey makeup, like <laughs> looking on death's door. Um, I never I never play characters where I look just like a normal lady. I'm always like <laughs> dying or like a really extreme character wearing stuff interesting clothes <laughs> that's so funny um so if we go on to the proper podcast stuff now um, I'm keen to get make sure I use the correct terminology um you're a hearing aid wearer yourself so tell me your background then about hearing loss I read that you found out you were you had hearing loss when you were age 30 is that correct which is quite late for someone to find out yeah well I found out when I was 29 right and then I got my hearing aid when I was 30 okay um so yeah it was it was a long process because you know, I've, I mean, I've written about a lot of it in my new book, but I, when I was born, they didn't have the newborn hearing test. Oh, wow. Because it came in in the 1990s, like the mid 1990s. So um, I, you know, I was sent home normally after I was born. Um, And then uh, I got, I had some hearing difficulties and we went to the doctor and they said I had glue ear 
So um, I had grommets put into my ears and it wasn't until I was 29 that I discovered that grommets are basically just a small plastic tube that goes in your ear to drain off the fluid. But in my childhood brain, because I think I was like um, nine or something at the time, I thought grommets were hearing aids like already. So I thought, oh, I've had an operation. I've had hearing aids put in my ears. Um, So when my tinnitus started at a really young age, I never told anyone about it or mentioned it or knew it was tinnitus. I used to hear a high pitched beep and I just assumed like, oh, that's the grommets, my hearing aids working, even though grommets are just (laughs) a tube. Yeah. Um, That's why it was assumed. And it wasn't until, you know, I went to the doctor about a second type of tinnitus which was um, brought on by loud noises and it's kind of like a wavering wind noise I call it my spider tinnitus because I know this sounds like a joke and I'm a comedian but (laughs) I honestly thought there was something living in my ear because yeah because when I was near kind of loud noises like someone shouting or close to a speaker or something like an event or a club I'd hear this noise like wind moving or I imagined a spider like scrambling around in my ear to be like, like moving oh, away from the sound yeah, yeah. <sighs> so I genuinely went to my GP I've definitely watched too many of those like YouTube videos <laughs> where it's like and she had a whole family of insects living inside her <laughs> but um I went to my GP and I was like um is there anything living in my ear and I mean, bless her. She was so nice to me. Oh, she was good. really understanding. She looked in my ear um, and she was like, there's nothing living there's no, in there. For you. No spiders. Um, but she also didn't say that it was tinnitus at the time. Right. Because I thought tinnitus was just one noise, like a ringing noise like yeah. you see on TV after people have like a, an accident or in an explosion or something. Um. So I didn't know that tinnitus could be loads of different types of noises. It's basically any noise you can hear inside your head that other people can't hear. Wow. No, I didn't know that either. I kind of presume because everyone I've spoken to who's had who's got tinnitus has said it's like a sort of a ringing sound. So I just presume that was the same for everyone. But is it for you? Is that a whooshing sound or like that spider? Yeah, so I have the whooshing sound and I have a high pitch beep. But it can be you can hear white noise. You can hear your heartbeat. You can hear like lots of different pitches of sounds. And I think, you know, that isn't kind of widely publicized. So I had no idea this was tinnitus. And my GP then sent me for a hearing test because she was like, let's just double check. Nothing else is going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, God, I don't need to go for a hearing test. Like maybe she just gets a bonus if she (laughs) refers you or something. A referral bonus. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll go. But get you extra money. (laughs) Yeah. But I, so I had no idea. Um, and now looking back, I'm like, I definitely, there were lots of things that I couldn't hear and I was managing and, and yeah. getting by and struggling, but I just thought everyone did that. So do you it think you into- had it since you were a kid then, but just hadn't realized? I think so. Yeah. Because there were definitely occasions, you know, like at school, I always used to sit at the front and everyone would call me like a goody two shoes. And to be fair, I do like to to be the teacher's favorite. Like that yeah. is a personality trait as well. <laughs> but, you know, 
it could have been so I could lip read. Yeah. Um, there were lots of things that I missed. And, you know, obviously I'm a I'm a comedian and performer, so I'm quite confident in those arenas, but I'm not always confident in social social situations. I have anxiety and I used to really hate and still do, obviously, like big crowded situations if I'm in the middle of a crowd or basically yeah. loud environments where the sound is overwhelming. Yeah, and I never liked talking to people on the phone, like when my mum would be like, you know, ring up the takeaway of a Friday oh. and order our special treat. I'd hate <laughs> ringing up. Yeah. And I just thought I just didn't like speaking to people on the phone, but it was because I struggled so much not being able to see and lip read. So yeah, I definitely think it was going on much longer, but there I was age 29, been sent for a hearing test that I thought was just so my GP could get a bonus, which is not a thing. Um, <laughs> So when they said you have hearing loss in both ears, yeah, but it's um, extreme enough on one side that we think you'd benefit from a hearing aid, it was a complete shock. Wow, I really weren't expecting it. And what no. was the what was the actual hearing test like? Like what actually happens in a hearing test? Yeah, so this is what people always say. And for my book, I've interviewed like audiologists, and apparently oh, we cool. should be getting regular hearing tests. Oh, you know, wow. like we get regular eye tests. Yeah. But we don't do that at all. I don't think um, I've had my hearing ever test, like I presume I can. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. We don't get it regularly checked at all, do we? No. And a lot of people say that, that I speak to, that they've never had a hearing test and, and can be quite scared of a hearing yeah. test of like, what happens? It's very easy and straightforward. It's easier than an eye test, actually, because at an eye test, you get that puff of air squirted yeah. in your eye and so you're always like oh I don't like that bit there's nothing like that no one squirts anything in your ear for an hearing, hearing test you um go along and you're either put in a um like a small cubicle or you'll be in a sound dampened room sitting with the audiologist mm -hmm. um you're basically either given a little um clicker like the people on the weather use or you just put your hand up and they'll put headphones over you and play you noises like beeps. And so when you hear something, you either put your hand up or click the clicker. And then as the test progresses, they might play people speaking and then people speaking over background noise. And then you just repeat the words that you can hear. So it's oh, cool. very straightforward. It's, it's actually quite fun. Like <laughs> I got really competitive about it. <laughs> Before like I knew, yourself. yeah. Before I knew that I had hearing loss and and I was deaf, I um I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna nail this because I'm really competitive. And so I imagined at the end of my first hearing <laughs> test that they were gonna be like, wow, you've done so brilliantly. We're gonna <laughs> engrave your name on a board now because you're our highest. Here's your medal. <laughs> yeah, and they were actually like, you need a hearing aid. Wow, so I suppose you you wouldn't know that you didn't hear it do you know what I mean like you wouldn't know because you couldn't hear the sound so you wouldn't know that you weren't doing very well you'd be thinking you were doing great and there'd be no way of knowing yeah that's and that's how I always explain it to people you can't hear what you can't hear which sounds straightforward <laughs> no, but, but in an it. eye test you can see what you can't see mm -hmm. because you're like well that bottom row is blurry I can't yeah. read that so it is, it, it's, it's an interesting one because, yeah, it can come as a complete shock. Yeah, gosh. And so, so the tinnitus, what sort of impact does that have on your life? Like having that, and has that been, do the hearing aids help with the tinnitus or is that separate? So I only have one hearing aid, so yeah. I just wear it on my right ear. 
So yeah, my hearing aid helps with the tinnitus brought on by loud noises because it helps control the level of noise going into my ear. But my other tinnitus, which is a high pitched beep, is there all the time. So it's there now. Oh my goodness. So sometimes you manage to ignore it um, and you sort of forget about it. And then other times it it can be brought on by like stress and caffeine and stuff like that. So other times it can get really loud and sometimes be like all you can hear. So you can imagine if you're in a, an environment where you need to be paying attention for whatever reason, and then all you can hear is this high pitched beep. It's really distracting and it means that doing whatever you're meant to be doing can be really difficult. And um, a lot of people really do suffer with with tinnitus. And, you know, I don't talk about I don't use the language of suffering with deafness and hearing loss because I actually love being deaf and I love my hearing aid. And but I do use the language of suffering with tinnitus because as a whole yeah of the tinnitus community that I've spoken to you know people really do feel like that they're suffering with it and there's yeah. no you know there just hasn't been a lot of research done with it and I was ambassador for the British Tinnitus Association for a while and you know we went to the House of Commons and spoke to MPs but there there was a real lack of funding in tinnitus research and and even like awareness of yeah. you know most people don't know there's different sounds within tinnitus and And there really isn't kind of a relief or there's no pill that you can take or no exercise you can do that will make your tinnitus go away. It's something that's there forever. That's horrific. That's really bad, isn't it? There's nothing. There's no, there's nothing else. Is there anything you can do? So no medication, no no cure for it. But is there anything you found that helps sort of quieten it down for you? Yeah. So there's things like it's brought on by stress, but you know don't be stressed is very easy to say yeah. very hard to do um yep. you know if it's particularly bad you know not drinking caffeinated things or eating them um and then also what I find really useful is it can be particularly loud like right before you go to sleep because obviously it's a quiet time and then you're just left alone with your thoughts oh and, and the loud a really sound. loud noise Gosh. so um playing you know white noise or I play beach sounds you know when it's particularly bad to go to sleep and also if you're kind of in a quiet environment and you're working playing those sorts of background noises can actually help with your tinnitus because it'll drown it out but interestingly that doesn't help me with my deafness because background noises make it harder for me to hear so it's it's a kind of yeah like a balance between the two you've almost in some circumstances got to choose which one you'd prefer not to be (laughs) yeah having problems with that's really hard and so your hearing aid what were your thoughts when you were told that you needed to wear one? Were they, because you say you're really positive about it now, were you always positive? Were you just, did you just embrace it straight away or did you find it difficult? No, I mean, I, there's a big chapter in my book about how I cried in a oh, Westfield um, bike shed, you know, like where people <laughs> store their bikes because oh. my audiologist was near Westfield. I didn't just like go. You to just the go there as a specific place to go when to you're cry. sad. <laughs> um, although shopping centers are a great place to cry. Um, because lots of other people are crying you know just because of the sizes in H&M for example um but yeah I was walking back to the tube and it just sort of hit me Mm. and I just started sobbing and then I tried to find somewhere quiet and it was this bike shed and then 
at one point a woman walked in saw me crying and just backed away which is such a British reaction to someone crying it really but, is um, like, I don't feel uncomfortable with this yeah. I'm just gonna be I am not getting involved with this um but yeah it was it was a real shock and I was you know about to turn 30 my dad had just died oh, gosh, um and I was feeling really like, oh my God, another thing for yeah. me to deal with. This is, and I felt like it was going to change everything. You know, my career. I was, you know, we talked about Call the Midwife and the Crown. Like I was in period dramas at the time, and I thought, well, I can't wear a hearing aid in period oh, dramas. Of course, yeah. And I was doing radio, and I was like, can you be deaf on the radio? Is that yeah. allowed? Um, and so I really thought, you know, my career was going to be over. I thought my life was going to change for the worst. I thought I was old before my time. Oh. I thought there was no one else like me of my age getting a hearing aid because I'd never met anyone. No, um, that's a good point as well. Not many people do talk about it, do they? You don't hear. Yeah. And it's interesting talking about it now because um, so many people, if I open up about it, are like, oh, I have hearing aids. And I and like there was someone that I've known for years and I had no idea. And then wow. she was like, yeah, I have hearing aids too. And I was like, wow, like just just opening up about it can really like make connections. But my mum has hearing aids and she'd had them, you know, since she was about 50. But to me, it was like she never talked about them. And it's interesting that, you know, me starting to open up and I became an ambassador for RNID and um, started writing books with deaf characters. And, and my latest book was just like a guide to um hearing loss and deafness she um it's it's sort of made my mum talk about it more and we've had actual conversations about it and like she's told her work about it um and been able to kind of yeah open up about it a little bit more oh, so it, it's because it can be hereditary right and do you think was your was your is your deafness hereditary do you think or is it is it not possible to know so, yeah, so it's interesting. So a lot of the time with, with deafness and, and hearing loss later in life, you might never know why you're deaf. Mm -hmm. So lots of people are born deaf. Um, lots of people are born deaf to deaf families. And there's a real like um, hereditary kind of deafness in that way. And there's a, an incredible deaf culture and they'll, you know, BSL users and lots of deaf traditions, which is amazing within the deaf community. Other people are born with full hearing. And we know that now with the newborn hearing test yeah. from the 90s um, and then might lose some hearing over time. And that can be for a number of reasons. So there's a chapter in the book of, you know, causes. Yeah. Or and um. So there's loads of different causes. One of them can be noise exposure. Wow. Um, and a lot of the time you won't know. So unless it's a big event, like if you have your eardrum perforated, for example, yeah. or um, if you have cancer, some of the medicines that you take because of cancer can cause hearing loss and deafness. Wow. I didn't know that either. So unless you sort of know because you yeah. have a marker, a lot of the time it's very difficult to tell. So mine could be partly hereditary and partly due to noise damage. Yeah. And you, you can tell if there's a little bit of noise damage um, from the audiologist I interviewed because the the hairs inside your ear might be damaged and that's how uh, the sound receptors can be damaged. So I don't know, I don't know. basically. 
it yeah. could be noise exposure it could be hereditary it could be something else yeah or a bit of both or yeah what advice so you sort of embrace now your hearing aid which is fantastic and your deafness um what advice because a lot of our listeners are sort of teachers of children with special educational needs what advice would you give to any teachers supporting children with hearing aids perhaps getting a new hearing aid coming into the classroom feeling a little bit nervous about wearing one what advice would you give to teachers and parents perhaps on supporting a child with a new hearing aid or a hearing aid that's new to them yeah, I think there are so many things you can do in the classroom to make that child's um, life and learning experience uh, easier. Yeah. Um, and so one of the main things is if they've just got a hearing aid, presumably they've had hearing issues for a while. So yeah. they might have been struggling in class or they might not have been. You might not have noticed anything different. But if they've had that hearing loss for a while, they might have already been relying on lip reading without knowing they are. Yeah. So um, if you can have them closer to you so they can lip read you without signaling them out, you know, without going, yes. Adrian has a new hearing aid. So he's going to sit <laughs> at the front now because, yeah. you know, that's, that's not, not a good idea. No. no, but if you're, you know, if you rearrange the class yeah, seating just, and just so Adrian happens, yeah. happens to be at the front so he can lip read. Also, you know, bearing in mind that if you're turning to write on the board and you're speaking at the same time, Adrian, I love that we've created Adrian. Adrian. I can see Adrian. He's sat at the front, isn't he? I love Adrian. <laughs> He's lovely. Um, Adrian's not going to be able to see your mouth moving if you're talking, yeah. not facing him. Um, also, things like, with again, with lip reading, if you're backlit, so if you're standing in front of a window and talking, he won't be able to see your lips because your face will be dark because you're lit from behind. So it's really, yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought of that one. That's a really good point, especially lots of primary school classrooms, you know, lovely and airy with a big, big old window. big windows yeah. at the side. And if you stood there and often yeah. you are stood with the classroom with the lights behind you. So yeah, gosh. Yeah. So making sure the light in your classroom is good so mm. they can see your face um, and also lip read. So facing them as much as possible. Also, deaf children will quite, you know, because there's been studies done that in GCSE levels, deaf children have received grades, a whole grade lower in their GCSE seven years in a row to Whoa. children who aren't deaf. So there is, there's definitely a lot that, that we can do. And, mm. and I know, you know, a lot of teachers will be like, oh, I'm trying so hard and I'm trying for everyone. Yeah. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of free things that you can do. So yeah, those, yeah. these are the things that I'm talking about as well, that just will be a slight kind of in your head. You just need to think, oh, I just don't stand in front of the window, you know, yeah. as opposed to like taking a training course. I mean, obviously taking deaf awareness courses, if you have a deaf child in your class, but also really the whole school should be yeah. and all the staff should be taking deaf awareness courses. Um, yeah. Whether or not there's deaf children at your school, but especially if there's deaf children at school. But um, so those lip reading things of of good lighting, facing the child, also arranging the seating mm -hmm. so that um, the child can see other children talking to them. So if you're sitting in rows facing the front, 
it's really hard to lip read if all oh, your God. friends are in a line next to you. So creating seating that is in a U shape, kind of yeah. rounder, is going to be so much more useful for lip reading and also just generally for communication. Yeah, that's such a good point. Honestly, I would have when you were saying about Adrian, our little friend, when you were saying about him sitting at the front, I was imagining, okay, so you put the pro do rows so they could see, so we would be like, you know, could fixate on the teacher easier. But it's you're right, you're not just learning from the teacher, right? You've got to listen to your peers, you've got to listen to people putting their hands up and talking as well. And then you're making that difficult. So yeah, that's I've learned something. I wouldn't have thought to have arranged the classroom in that way. So that's really useful. And deaf and a lot of deaf schools will arrange their classrooms in a different way for that reason. So yeah. it's good to kind of, you know, if you have other friends who are teachers and for example they work in a deaf school you know yeah. learn from them because they're doing it every yeah. day and then also um making the classroom acoustically pleasant I call it in my book yeah um, I was going to ask about this about making it sort of acoustically yeah nice yeah because so background noise if you have a hearing aid um and if so obviously if you're profoundly deaf or not obviously if you're profoundly deaf um a lot of the time you'll have learnt sign language bsl so bsl stands for british sign language there's also asl american sign language isl irish sign language so but british is what we use in this country mm -hmm. a lot of the time that child will speak using British sign language or especially if they come from a deaf family they'll use British sign language in the home now I think deaf children should always learn British sign language mm -hmm. um, because uh, so it used to be the way in kind of medicine and educational settings that children were taught or parents were told not to introduce British Sign Language to their deaf child because it would stop their language development. And oh, recent studies have shown that it's, you know, it's the other way around because yeah. your motor skills develop before your speech does. So actually, if you learn sign language from a baby, you can start communicating with signs before yeah. your language develops. And there's also finger spelling, which is what we use to um, spell out the alphabet that also helps with learning how to spell words and there's actually so many benefits to using yeah. sign language alongside oral speech if the child speaks um orally yeah so sign language is really important and also as a deaf person it's so relaxing so I was never taught sign language when I was younger so I started on my deaf journey I thought sign language wasn't for me like I wasn't allowed to use it because, you know, I'd always been hearing it before that. And then I yeah. just got this hearing aid um, and I've learned sign. I've started to learn sign language since I got my hearing aid. And it's amazing. And as a deaf person, it's like, well, for me, it's such a relief when I can use sign language because there's something called concentration fatigue and this is really high in children as well and I talk about this in the book so deaf children with a hearing aid or without are constantly trying to understand an ableist world around them mm -hmm. and an audist world around them which is you know a sound-based world so they are constantly trying to listen, trying to lip read, trying to understand what's going on because it's not accessible for them. Yeah. So you can imagine like they're also growing, socializing with their peers, <laughs> trying oh to learn. 
and on top of that so it they can be so tired at the end of the day and as an adult my concentration fatigue can be so high even if I just go to like an event you know in my industry there's lots of events that I have to go to as part of my job and if I go to an event and there's a lot of background noise and the whole evening I'm trying to listen to people, trying to lip read, trying to respond, trying to not seem rude. Because when you're trying to lip read, your face isn't necessarily smiling. It's like a concentration face. Yeah. And then people think you're mean. Oh, you know, so there's all of this. And then the next day I'll be so tired that I have to, I have to like sleep in late and really take it easy. Yeah. So you can imagine for a deaf child at school, it can be so tiring it must be absolutely exhausting I'm just just trying to imagine doing all of that on top of your learning and on top of all the social at school that's oh gosh yeah, yeah that's really hard so if there is any sign language you can learn um I think as a teacher yeah. or having an interpreter in class for the child it does make such a difference because it's so relaxing to use sign language because you don't have to try and listen yeah. So that makes a really big difference. And obviously you can learn sign language if you get the funding and stuff. But there's also, you know, a lot of deaf creators on social media, for example. And mm-hmm. it is really important to find a deaf creator. So someone who is a native BSL user or a teacher of BSL that's doing sign language. So Signature, the charity, they're the... they the accreditation of like sign language courses that you can take on their social media they teach signs as well so even just learning little bits like that from signature because there are a lot of hearing people on the internet that also try and teach signs but the issue with that is they're not a native bsl user they're not an accredited teacher they're they might uh, you know, some of them are even teaching Makaton, which is a completely different language to BSL, even though some of the signs are similar. It's like the difference between French and English, Mm -hmm. you know, the root of the words of French and English might come from the same thing, but they're still a different language. So a lot of them are kind of spreading false information. So don't, don't get on board with them yeah Yeah, get on board with like signature a trusted source and just learn a few signs can really make a deaf child welcome in your class but also as I spoke about concentration fatigue and background noise having a little breakout space not just useful for deaf children but also you know children who might get sensory overload or whatever it is who just need a moment sometimes in a small quiet environment you know creating that nook in the corner of a classroom where they can just go and have a little breather um also making the classroom acoustically pleasant as I said before yeah so how do you do that then what's the best way of making a classroom acoustically pleasant I love that word phrase I'm going to use that acoustically pleasant because there's not really Yeah, there's not really like a phrase for it. It's just like add some padding. Um, So I like (laughs) acoustically pleasant. So um, things that absorb sound are soft furnishings. Yeah. Basically. Um, Things that bounce sound off are like clean, flat, solid, shiny surfaces. So windows, not good. Um, Walls with no kind of insulation or padding in them also bounce sound off high ceilings bounce sound off 
So that means that any background noise within your classroom is going to be bouncing around for everyone and any noise from the outside as well that's going to be bleeding into your classroom. Yeah. So really useful things are curtains. Ah, genius. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously if it's a really sunny day and the sun's shining in through the window and causing yeah. you to be backlit, um, be you can pull those curtains and not only will they, you know, regulate the light, it'll also add some, um, sound dampening and even just having the curtains there, but open is going to yeah. absorb some of the sound too. Cushions are great. So in your little nook that is a quiet space for them to go to having loads of cushions and make it feel really comfy mm -hmm. you know if there are seats in the classroom those seats with cushioned padding are not only more comfortable they also <laughs> help absorb sound um human bodies help absorb sound so um knowing that if you're having a one-to-one -one with a student in a larger classroom the sound's going to bounce around more than if there were 30 children in that classroom yeah and then also you can do like fun things like, you know, creating draping across the ceiling. If you have high ceilings that will absorb the sound, um, uh, things like, you know, curtained off areas, plants, like any little padded walls. So having one of those padded kind of wheelie boards that you can yeah. then pin, you know, pictures that they've drawn to or whatever. That's a really good way to not only like segment the space, but also uh, provide acoustic padding. And as I said, you can have fun with it. So you can be like, we're designing some curtains today <laughs> to just get like some old sheets and some fabric pens and everyone gets to like draw something. Yeah. Maybe you could theme it around what you're learning that term, you know, maybe it's space or plants and you know photosynthesis whatever it is and have fun with it and then it's like oh look you know we've created these curtains or this panel that's going to go on the ceiling or whatever it is yeah they've got some ownership over it you know when you were describing about like the padding and the cushions and all of that I almost felt like you were describing how I've set up my podcast today <laughs> because that's exactly <laughs> the same thing isn't it I've got cushions yeah. I'm not going to show people because it's embarrassing but I've got cushions around here to absorb the sound and it's the same thing if I just recorded it in here with all the walls um, being quite hard it would bounce off and the sound quality would be awful so it's the same sort of way you've got to plan anything with sound isn't it you've got to make it so it absorbs the sound rather than echoes and bounces off yeah and it, and it makes such a difference um, you know if you're in a room where lots of people are talking and you're trying to listen to one person like the teacher even if someone like if I was sitting and listening to someone do it, giving a speech and someone behind me was whispering, all yeah. I'd be able to hear is the person behind me whispering and not oh, the really? person giving a speech. So, oh, wow. you know, it's um, and obviously there's lots of different levels and experiences of hearing loss and deafness within yeah. the whole group of what deaf is and means. Um, But. Yeah, so just just taking those things into consideration. And these are all fairly cheap things. Yeah, you yeah, know, definitely. Like you can get cushions from a charity shop or, or yeah. get, you know, um, parents to bring in yeah. old cushions they don't want anymore can really make a difference. And then learning a few signs and maybe having a deaf person, a local deaf person. There's lots of local deaf support groups around the yeah. country so you know maybe asking them if they can come in and teach some signs or yeah. their local deaf tutor and also you know 
deaf authors. Hello. <laughs> Do you know Funny. any? <laughs> oh. Well, it just so happens that I am one and I write books for deaf protagonists, <laughs> you know, coming in. And I think role models are really important as yeah, well. So having, you know, letting children in your class, whether they're hearing or deaf, meet deaf people, deaf adults, deaf teenagers, and having deaf members of staff. Yeah, is super important as well and championing that within your kind of school and learning environment yeah because it's not rare as well is it hearing loss or deafness it's not like I read I think it was your article in the Huff Post one in six people is that right it's now one in five so no one in five gosh 12 million people in the UK have some form of hearing loss or deafness well, I, I had when I read it because I was doing my research for you, and I read that, and I was like, one in six people. And I actually stopped my husband because he was walking past getting a cup of tea, and I was like, did you know one in six people have some sort of hearing loss or deafness? And he couldn't believe it either. And I was, we were both really, really shocked about it because I don't feel like I know people, and that that sort of surprises me. But like you say, I must know people, but I d- well, I'm not aware that I know people, and I feel bad about that that I haven't sort of, yeah, I'd, yeah it shocked me so and there's going to be people and there's going to be children in lots of classrooms across the country who have got hearing loss yeah and also I think and lots of teachers yeah and, and also I think it's really important to create that environment wherever you work where people can be open about yeah. it and can put that you know because it's a really scary um and brave thing to put your hand up and go actually yeah I have hearing yeah. loss I have hearing aids or because you know in the work I know I talk about it a lot and write books about it but originally I was so scared that people were going to assume that I wouldn't be able to do my job and people do still assume that you know oh, gosh. I was on the radio a big radio station recently and I was in the studio and the producer asked me if my hearing aid was going to interfere with the equipment and it it doesn't no but you know and obviously they wouldn't want to put me on air or they'd want to take me to take my hearing aid out if that was the case and people you know I think it's something like deaf people are twice as likely the stats in the book to be unemployed (laughs) as hearing people oh my goodness um it might even be four times I have to get get some members book to find out I like this it's like you're tempting people <laughs> yeah but we're we're definitely more a lot more likely than hearing people to be unemployed yeah. and a lot of that is down to inaccessible work environments yeah and also the fact that because someone's deaf you know people some people might assume that they can't do their job and actually we can yeah. and we have extra skills that yeah, enable yeah. us to do our job even better you know I interviewed um a teacher for my book and she's also set up a um, deaf community group for children and parents brilliant and she says that when she works with children they know that they've got her full attention because she's a BSL user and so she and BSL is all about kind of looking at the other person and their body language and reading their emotions and reading their signs and there have been studies that deaf people are better drivers because our perception and peripheral vision is so much better because we rely on it more so you can imagine like in a school environment you know working with a big group of children that's such a useful skill to have absolutely and you know I interviewed a deaf nurse and people always assume that she can't do her job and actually she says she has the skills to notice things that other people don't notice because they rely on sound so 
you know, creating an environment where deaf people feel welcome and also yeah. creating an environment where you just say, what are your access needs? Yeah. All, all the time to your staff. Is there anything I can do? You know, are there any, any access needs that you have? Is there anything I can do to make life easier? And and opening up, you know, if if you have any access needs yourself or you're deaf, creates that environment where people feel like they can talk about it and be open yeah, about it and absolutely. that will lead through to obviously the children and the learning environment as well yeah and another way we can make ch um, deaf children feel more included is through children's books which nicely brings me on to ask questions about your fantastic children's books that you've written so you've written two children's books so far and you've written um your other book that's aimed at adults um which has just come out as well but if we start with your first one which is called harriet versus the galaxy and that one has the young protagonist bolstered by her disability and she has hearing aids she's called Harriet and it doesn't hold her back and doesn't it translate alien languages or something to save the world can you tell us tell us about this book because it sounds fantastic I need to go and get a copy yeah so Harriet has um one hearing aid like mm -hmm. me and uh her hearing aid translates alien languages and her and her gran protect the earth from aliens called <laughs> the munchers so the munchers are aliens who eat stuff. So if you've ever lost a sock, it's because of sock muncher. And if you've ever lost a pen, it's because of pen muncher. <laughs> and there's even knicker muncher who eats Gran's knickers off her bottom at one point during the book, which is quite <laughs> shocking for Gran. But hilarious um, for children. I imagine they find that yes. really, really funny. That's you know, <laughs> kids' knickers. humor. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> some, you know, there's a uh, there's alien planets that I've created in the book which is one of the most fun things to do and there's a planet called Rombadi Bum Bum which is usually a favorite <laughs> for the children um and also just rolls off the tongue very nicely <laughs> and the Rombadis are aliens with two bottoms one for talking and one for farting and the farting helps them move around the planet ah so very logical I like yeah, it classic <laughs> um so yeah it's very silly um there's lots of jokes in there but Harriet goes on kind of this adventure she's had to move to her grand's house because her dad it works in a van he's driving all around the country um, her mum's not in the picture mm -hmm. and so she starts living with gran she meets her next door neighbor Robin who's non-binary child yeah. um, and um, starts to become friends with Robin and then discovers that gran is a secret astronaut spy no. <laughs> has, has been protecting the earth from aliens oh, wow. since she was 11 no way. and now you know and now Harriet and Robin gets roped in as well and their new best friend Sock Muncher who's one of the nicer munchers um, <laughs> this sounds brilliant I'm gonna buy it it sounds fantastic it really really does it sounds really funny as well I love that um, and I'm right in saying that her hearing aid isn't sort of central to the plot. It's more sort of, it, obviously, the bit with, where she can hear the aliens, but it's more sort of incidental, is it, that she's got a hearing aid? Well, it's it's an adventure book at its heart. So yeah. her hearing aid is like, brings an extra skill, which yeah. is translating alien languages. But she's just a very brave, you know, sassy girl who's oh, protecting the earth with her gran. And it's about her relationship with her gran, her relationship missing her dad, her relationship with this new friend, Robin. And also, you know, a little bit about her hearing aid and how she got it. Yeah. And, and that, you know, it's mentioned that she was bullied at her old school a little bit for her hearing aid and how she yeah. felt about that. 
So there definitely is the kind of that through line, but it's not, yeah, it's not a book about a little girl getting a hearing aid. Yes. It's an adventure book and her yeah. hearing aid's a bonus. I love that. So your second book, The Night the Moon Went Out, again, the main character in that one has a hearing aid as well, and she's scared of the dark. Can you tell us a bit more about that book? Yeah, so this is Anaira, um, which I actually named after my friend's little girl. They had a little girl called Anaira. So Naira has two hearing aids and she takes them out at night to charge them, as I do. Um, and it makes the dark even scarier because I've always been scared of the dark, right, since I was little. Yeah. And it wasn't until I, I thought about writing this book that I was like, well, yeah, obviously, because the dark is scary because you can't see and you imagine what might be there. But if you can't see and you can't hear very well. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. You, can't, you don't even get any kind of notification sound wise yeah. that there might be a monster in yeah. your wardrobe so of course it's going to be more scary yeah um so yeah and I was scared of the dark her nightlight doesn't work one night um her mum tells her that there's a nightlight for everyone and it's the moon out of her window Aww. but she doesn't want the moon and she says that out loud and she accidentally turns the moon off oh no <laughs> So then she has to go on adventure, an adventure with the help of a talking owl, because mm -hmm. why wouldn't you? So the, the owl kind of talks telepathically Brilliant. and um, they go on an adventure to turn the moon back on. Oh, I won't, we won't spoil it, but I hope they succeed in turning the moon back on and it's not well, still off. <laughs> but you can't tell us, tell us the ending there. I can't tell you <laughs> the ending. Um, so you obviously think representation in books for children, especially with children with special education needs and disabilities, is really important. Why is that? Why why are you so passionate? Why did you write these books? Well, first of all, I never thought I could be an author because mm -hmm. I think when I was growing up, my idea of authors were like old white posh men. <laughs> and that wasn't me. I know I sound quite posh, but I've had drama training, darling. <laughs> um, I'm from Bromley. I'm a Bromley girl. Um so I never thought I'd be able to write a book. And then it wasn't until, it's funny, my mum was always like, you're so good at writing, you should write a book. And I'd obviously written stand-up and journalism and stuff, but it wasn't sort of in my, it was never like a career goal. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I got my hearing aid and then I started learning about being deaf and the deaf culture and became an ambassador for RNID and started doing events with them and meeting incredible other incredible deaf people. And, you know, um, that people started asking me if I could recommend any deaf books for adults or children. Oh, wow. And I suddenly realized I had personally never read a book with a deaf main character. Yeah. And I didn't even, you know, there were some out there, but there I didn't even know of them at the time or yeah. like the titles, never heard of them. Like, and I realized in media as well, there weren't, I'd never watched a film with a deaf main character, for mm. example. And I thought, why is that? And so then I started doing a bit of research so that I could say something to people when they were like, do you yeah. have any recommendations? <laughs> and, and I realized there just wasn't like in the mainstream. Wow. And there was like a collection of books there was like two that I could find um so I thought well maybe I should write one and actually living with hearing loss and deafness my new book is the first book I wanted to write for adults 
Oh, cool. And I didn't know anything about the book world. And I went to a book event and I spoke to some publishers and I sort of verbally pitched the idea. And, you know, at the time, no one was interested in hearing loss and deafness and having a book or a guide about it because they were like, well, it's really niche. 12 million people. (laughs) Not that niche. niche. (laughs) Um, You know, Um, and then I actually met a children's publisher called Knights of um, and their whole remit is publishing diverse books and they'd been working a lot with black authors and telling incredible stories and I was like well have you ever thought about doing a book with a deaf main character Um, and they were like what would it be about and I just thought of the the things that I like like space and um, like brave children and also brave girls because I read a lot of books when I was growing up and the main character was a boy a lot of the time so I was like I want a brave girl who has a hearing aid and that became Harriet versus the galaxy and they were like okay we'll go and write it and send it to us and so it sort of happened I call myself an accidental activist (laughs) I love that because I never like intended to set out and write books with deaf characters but after Harriet I enjoyed it so much and obviously one of the best things is the reaction you know when I go and talk to schools and children with hearing aids uh, and I'm like my hearing aid's pink what color is yours and they're like it's red and you know and then they're like Harriet and they dress up as Harriet for world book day oh that's wonderful you know and I can kind of relate to them when I go into class and then yeah and then afterwards, you know, the rest of the class talked to them because they were like the author. Oh, oh, that's so wonderful. Aids. And yeah, it just it just felt like, oh, I feel a bit emotional. Felt like <laughs> it felt like the best thing I'd ever done. I can imagine. And You're my really goals helping. were always Yeah, my goals were always like be an actress and nice things. Get <laughs> attention. Um, and then when I did Harriet, I was just like, oh, this is yeah. why am I not doing this this is wonderful so oh, that started it all that's so wonderful and do you want to tell us a little bit more about your latest book then living with hearing loss and deafness a guide to owning it and loving it I love that Go- owning it and loving it <laughs> yeah I it- wanted it I wanted it to feel a bit sassy yeah it does well, I don't think you can say that a guide to owning it and loving it without a bit of sass good <laughs> um yeah because I want it I wanted it to be a guide because when I got my hearing aid you know, I love books and I've always loved books. So one of the first things I did was try and find a book to tell yeah. me what the experience was going to be like. I think I'd do the same. I think that's literally what I would do. I'd be the same. Everywhere. Right. I need to get a book on this. <laughs> yeah. I need to get a book and do my research. Yeah. So know what's coming up. Um, And the only books I could find at the time were sort of quite dry academic books about right. deafness, which is, and those books are brilliant and very important, but it wasn't what I was looking for. I was yeah. like, I need like practical tips and also like a person like actually telling me what happened to them. And yeah, what, like relatable. Expect. And yeah. Um, and so that's what I wanted to create with living with hearing loss and deafness. And I wanted it to be a guide, but mm-hmm. also the sass in the title is to make it clear that it's like also me having a chat yeah. with you 
And I do interview experts and audiologists and other deaf people and BSL users and BSL tutors and interpreters and, you know, all sorts of people to inform the book. And there's stats in there. But then there's also like a description of me crying in the Westfield (laughs) shopping centre and like me realising the first time I couldn't hear something and having that realisation moment. And, And, you know, the mental health that comes along with um having a hearing aid realizing you have hearing loss being told you have hearing loss because in a medical setting it's quite often framed as hearing loss right um and a lot of the deaf community don't like that phrase um and then a lot of sometimes people call themselves hard of hearing or deaf with a small d Mm-hmm. And then people who might be born into a deaf family and born deaf might call themselves deaf with a capital D. But there's lots of nuances within that terminology. And, yeah. you know, I didn't know any of that. So yeah. me learning that and the the mental health repercussions of like your identity changing in the way that you thought of it before, you suddenly having an invisible disability Mm-hmm. and this kind of new aspect of your life and what that might mean for you and then learning to kind of love my deafness and own it and I thought that was really important part of the book as well as like practical yeah, things definitely. of like how to change a hearing aid battery if you have them so um, I just wanted kind of to put everything in one place for people so that you know if you did discover like me tw- age 29 that you need a hearing aid this is your guide or if you've been deaf for a long time since birth but you want to feel seen and hear what other people deaf what other deaf people had to say about it you can read the book and feel seen and um and if you're kind of working in a school or working in a workplace and you have a deaf member of staff or a deaf child you can also read the book and learn yeah. you know what it's like for them um living Oh, as a deaf sounds, person. It sounds so, absolutely fantastic. It really does. Can you give us some links then to send people? Because there might be schools thinking, oh, we'd quite like her to come into our school, please. <laughs> or there well, might that be that would people... be very nice. <laughs> <laughs> or there might be people thinking, oh, we'd like to buy her books. So can you like send us? So you've got a website. Do you want to give us the I'll put it on the show notes as well for everybody to um copy it down. But if you want to tell us where where people can find you and stuff, that would be useful. Yeah. So my website is just samanthabaines.com. That's B-A-I-N-E-S, because sometimes people spell it strangely. Hmm. Um, and so all the links to buying books are on there. And there's also like a speaking page where it kind of says the, the school workshops I do. I normally do them on deaf awareness and joke writing. Um, <laughs> cool, joke writing. That sounds fun. <laughs> yes. Um, because also I think, again, joke writing can be something that we don't imagine that we can do like tell jokes when we're younger especially if you're like a bit shyer at school or I love encouraging girls to um, write jokes or non-binary children to write jokes Um, so yeah so that's just a bit fun and then everyone gets up in front of the class and tells a joke (laughs) their first stand-up gig (laughs) Um, so yeah all of that is on the website and then I'm also on Instagram and Twitter but my Instagram is not for children so (laughs) teachers are allowed to follow me but it's (laughs) it's restricted to over 16s Um, and then I'm on Twitter as well brilliant just at Samantha Baines 
fabulous thank you ever so much I've, I've learned so much genuinely I feel like I've I've learned a lot today um, and I hope that I'm sure our listeners will be feeling the same so thank you ever so much for for your time that's okay it's lovely thanks wow I don't know about you but I've learned so much from that episode and wasn't she a brilliant um guest even if I messed it up at the start when I <laughs> said the call the midwife instead of the crowd anyway um I hope you enjoyed the episode have a look at the show notes and I'll pop links there to her books as well as any resources we've got that are linked to the episode and thanks again for listening to sending the experts with me Georgina Durant catch you again next time